0: Be a Better Speaker, the podcast with me, Graeme David. In this podcast, I want to ask the question, how do you make it successful as a motivational speaker or as a corporate speaker if you're not famous or an ex sports star, an ex-musician, an ex-film actor or whatever? And I'm not offering all this as a bit of sour grapes because I'm demonstrably not famous. Uh, the, the reality is that most of us who use our skills as speakers, as presenters, to to make a, a living or to help promote what we do in, in training or, or other parts of our businesses are always going to be up against people who are famous for one reason or another. So... This podcast is all about what is it that we can do that will uh, will help perhaps give us a slight edge when we don't have fame on our side. Hope you enjoy this podcast. As always, you can, uh, on the back of this, ask any questions. I think there's a button you can hit to uh, send me a voice message. Alternatively, look me up on LinkedIn. Graham David, then the number one, Graham David 1. You can find me on LinkedIn. I'd be delighted to hear from you and uh, get your questions, your comments, your observations, and... um, Let's crack on with the podcast. This podcast is all about how do we as speakers, uh, corporate speakers, motivational speakers, use what we're good at and what we probably have skills in to try and balance a little bit the fact that we don't have the fame or the uh, the notoriety or the recognisable factor of famous people over the years i've uh, shared a stage or I've been on a series of events or I've been involved in a, a training program uh, conferences where there have been famous people and these have sometimes been uh, ex sports stars sports stars are um, uh, there's quite, it's quite a growth area I think for for ex sports people to to get into the, the the speaking circuit the motivational speaking circuit uh, sometimes um, actors or um, I guess you might call them celebrity business people. And um, one of the things that... This is going to sound like I'm just griping here, and I'm really not. I understand it's the way of the world. But just so so, uh, I can, I suppose, set out my stall. One of the things I've noticed is that when people are famous, for whatever reason, audiences just frankly lose their nut. They lose all critical ability. And for whatever reason... Um, once somebody famous is on stage, they can say some really quite bland and anodyne content and audiences will lap it up as though it's it's some incredible insight that none of them could have ever foreseen. Now, as I say, this is going to sound like I'm griping and I'm really not. This is the way of things. I understand this. But if we just look, for example, at... Um, the kind of, of, uh, of offer that, that famous speakers are able to make, they'll talk about their experiences, perhaps as a member of a team or a member of um, a, a squad, maybe because they, they, they've overcome uh, some personal difficulties, or perhaps they've been talking about an enormous win against all the odds. Now, nothing that I'm going to say in this takes away from the enormous achievement that they have made, and that's undeniable. The difficulty I have, though, and increasingly when I talk to clients and there's a sort of a, well, we might go for this as a speaker, we might go for this person, we quite like that person, that person's always the famous one. But increasingly I'm, I'm noticing that clients are starting to question whether or not the famous person's lessons are quite as applicable as you might first think. So it's all very well, for example, for an ex-Olympian to talk about I don't know, training 18 hours a day and seven days a week and 364 days a year and and so on. The problem is that whilst that is hugely uh, incredible, admirable, jaw-dropping, amazing, all of these uh, superlatives, it doesn't really apply to the majority of us. Because when it comes down to it, the reason that Olympians are Olympians is by the very nature of the word, that, that they are almost superhuman. They don't do what the rest of us do the fact that they are prepared for four years or eight years or whatever the, the time process is to absolutely focus on one key goal is incredible but it doesn't really match what most of us do so whether you work in a, in a garage or a shop or in an office environment the reality is for most of us it's eight or nine hours at work or It's a 12-hour shift and frankly when it's over it's over Often there will be talk from very famous people about the way they were coached or the way that goals were set for them, and um, frequently this will come with a, a sort of a catchy little phrase that, that, that the 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 team or the the famous successful person used in their their preparation for winning that gold or um, achieving that incredible uh, success that they they, they did. And it always comes down to a single-minded goal. It comes down to measurable results. It comes down to tiny, tiny, tiny but definite marked improvements. And many of us will listen to that and go, yeah, that that makes sense. And of course it makes sense. It absolutely makes sense. If you want to achieve anything, you've got to be single-minded about it. You have to decide what you're going to do. You then have to go and do it and you have to regularly check in to make sure you are doing it. In some cases, you may have to give something up in order to achieve that goal. You may have to do things in a different way. All of this makes absolutely sense. But for most of us, our experience of working with clients or working with management or working with SLT, senior leadership teams, or working with the board, it's not that clear cut. So we've all got experience of businesses that tell us one thing and then a week later, despite absolutely rolling out some new culture initiative, somebody somewhere has decided to do it differently. Nearly all of us, actually let's go for it, all of us have experience of clients that say one thing and then do something else. We have experience of managers that say they will have our back or say they are there to support us, but demonstrably are not. They have their own problems and issues that they're trying to deal with. And so I think what seems to be happening, certainly some of the clients that I've spoken to, is there's a gentle increase in people questioning the real value of having somebody famous speak at their event. But why is this important? Well, because if we're not famous and if we're trying to build a business or we're trying to get more speaking jobs, or, or even we're, we're tr- as trainers we're trying to um, increase our offer... Uh, increase our value or working within a business we we, we recognize that there is some value to be had from speaking on stage the difficulty is we're always going to be playing second figgle, fiddle fiddle that's easy for me to say we're always going to be playing second fiddle to someone who is famous and so i was thinking about this and think well what is it that we can offer that maybe someone who's famous doesn't and i think there's probably three key areas um Before I go on, I'm really interested in knowing what you think about this argument that I've just put forward. So just remind you, please, if you have the opportunity uh, on this podcast to send a voice message, I would love to hear your challenges, your questions, your comments, your observations. Or look me up on LinkedIn, Graham, David, then the number one, Graham, David, one. It would be fabulous to hear from you. And uh, let's now get into these three key things that I think as speakers we might be able to deploy to give us A little bit of an edge back against famous speakers. I think there are three key things that, as speakers, we can offer that maybe our famous. Uh, cousins don 't necessarily have the opportunity to do they do, but they don 't really need to because let 's be honest they 're famous, so I think these are three things. I think the first one, the big one that I absolutely stand by and I always try and build in any time I, I work with somebody um, and i 've really not seen this from most speakers, so I, I think this, is, this alone is something that we can offer. And that is to build in some element of return on investment, some element of useful, practical takeaways that your audience can genuinely try out to themselves. So let me give you a couple of examples of what I mean what I don't mean. I've heard lots of people talk about famous uh, speakers and say it was really good, you know, felt really fired, really motivated, so inspired, and um, lots of useful takeaways. And when you say what kind of takeaways... And what they'll often do is talk about the key phrase that the famous person was using as part of their their process when they got to succeed in whatever area they succeeded. The difficulty, as I've said earlier, is that that, apart from a bit of a rallying cry, is really a bit of a hollow sentiment. So some catchy little phrase that talks about how dedicated you are or how making small improvements will really help I don't believe really has much sticking power for most of us. I think most of us need something a little bit more practical that we can actually do. Because when it comes down to it, it's another Monday morning rolled around. The weekend was too short. You feel worse than you did on Friday night. You've now got to do it all again. And your manager is still exhibiting all the signs that he or she absolutely has no clue what they're doing, your business still has no idea what it's doing in terms of culture, and there's a real sense of that's just how it's going to be for the next however many years. So for most of us, we want something that we can actually put into place. So when I'm working with people, and if I'm speaking about, for example, communication skills and and being a better presenter, why does somebody in the audience need to know some of what I'm sharing with them? well, what i like to offer them is something that they can try out. So, for example, a strong way to start their morning meeting or briefing. Or I might offer them uh, some really specific, useful phrases in terms of stop saying, I'm sorry, I feel a bit nervous. Or, uh, really sorry, the PowerPoint slides are a bit a bit small or a bit detailed. I'm sorry if you can't read it at the back. In other words, I'm going to offer some advice... Based on the content of my speech, which will absolutely be something the audience can put into place. Now, better if you can tie that to a return on investment. In other words, if you ask this question to suppliers and it regularly gets you a three, four, five, six percent discount on what you are going to pay for anyway, and you only got that question from me as a speaker, then there is something that you can measure. And what you're able to do then with your client who's booking you or thinking of booking you versus the famous person is you can talk about a return on investment. In other words, I will offer your audience three, four, five key things. And if they do these, you will typically see this sort of return. I think that's the first thing. I think the second thing is that when you are um, coming to an event as somebody who has a certain status or a certain fame, the reality is that a lot of the heavy lifting is done for you. The rest of us have to work a lot harder to really impress that client. And so I think that's an area that we can offer and we can really do well on. We can really make our speech far more dedicated and specific to that audience. And whilst this is more work, and it's more effort, of course it is, my argument might be that if you are less established, or or frankly, even if you're really well known in your industry, but you're not at that exalted level of being famous just yet, this is a great thing to be able to do. Audiences love it if the content they're hearing is very noticeably put together or at least inspired by and tailored to them. It's a real mark of difference. And I absolutely, definitely believe that's a great way to give yourself a little bit of an extra edge. I think the third thing that we can offer as speakers if we're trying to compete is, um, I suppose, some of the add-ons that may not necessarily you would expect to come with a speaker. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, we could, of course, pre-email the organisation or the business with... Uh, these are some areas that we're going to be talking about or some kind of picture or graphic that relates to what you're going to talk about. We could certainly do something after the event where a week or a month after your event um, with, of course, the agreement of the client, everybody who attended gets some sort of communication from you. Perhaps there's an additional film or some follow-on work if you if you've give the audience something to think about or to do. You could actually say, here's what I said I'd send you, here it is. Something like that is pretty easy and quick and free to do, but gives you a real mark of difference from the majority of speakers. In addition, if you have abilities as a facilitator or a trainer, it's possible that you could in fact say, well, rather than me just turn up for my slot where I speak, I'll help facilitate a conversation later on, or I'll get involved in a much smaller workshop as part of the the event or the conference. So there we have it, three ways that you can try and stand out a little bit more and get yourself perhaps a little bit more business and offer real extra additional value to your clients. Hope you enjoyed that podcast, a very quick one, this time from Be A Better Speaker. Love to hear from you as always. I'll catch you soon. Cheers. So that's it for this podcast. I really hope you've enjoyed listening to this. If you have any questions or comments or observations, I would be delighted if you would send those in. You can do that by um, using the voice link. And uh, if you've got a good question, a great question, a great comment, observation, I would, of course, be very happy to add that to the next podcast that I run. Um, alternatively, if you just want to send me something offline, that would be great too. So please do uh, drop me your messages, your comments, your questions, your observations. Uh, find me on LinkedIn. I'm Graham David and then the number one. That's Graham David and then the number one. Uh, Or, of course, you can look up our website. That's Blue Beetle, bluebeetle.co.uk. This has been Graeme David for Be A Better Speaker. Catch you next time.